welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you? As we visit together. As we play pretend. Hey, I'm the new kid in the neighborhood. And I'd love to join your group playing in the alley. I'll be whatever character you want me to be. Oh, drunken sailor. All right, I guess so. Oh, what imaginative creatures we are. From a very young age, we are able to create entire worlds and then live in them. We do this through playing pretend. The children go out into a field and they become someone else, someone different. Oh, all the rules change, the locations change, and they imagine that there are things there that aren't. And then they adopt a role. They become someone, a character in this play. And so they go into the field to play pretend, and the uh, one child says, but let's, I imagine I'm a captain, and we're stranded on an island. Children used to talk that way. Like Robinson Crusoe, he's primitive as can be. And another child says, yes, we're stranded on an island, but I think we're stranded on an island like Gilligan. And the third child says, I think we should be stranded on an island like the TV series Lost. And then the fourth child says, Why do we recline on cushions on this day? And also, what's wrong with you people? And that child, who knows why they say that? They've run out of ideas, I guess, but most of us have not. And we do this with stories all the time. You might right now be kind of submersing yourself in the palm olive liquid dish soap of my words, of my creativity. Say, I'm going to go ahead and put myself into the world of Jar Tolkien. Jar, jar, we say jar, like we run it together. Um, have, you, have you seen the Tolkien jar? What do, what do we have in that? Yeah, Subway Tolkien's. And you put yourself in a whole world. And you immerse yourself, say, I'm really an elf. Not that kind of elf. No, this is a different, like a Swede. That kind of elf. And what are you? Oh, I am I am a cave Hebrew or something. I don't know. They, he did lots of things with language, uh, Tolkien did. And he created whole worlds. And then you live in them. But the problem is this. If you go and live in that world then you are subject to the rules of the creator, V'ger. Now, the creator, uh, whoever that is, the storyteller, and you can feel bad about yourself a little bit. I was watching those uh, shows. The other's got all these shows on TV. I can't think of the one, but it's got people in it. And I've sort of put myself in that role, and I've felt uh, less happy. And I was like, well, and that's, you know, that's because... This power that I have as a human being to project myself into other situations, to live whole lives. You know, there's this uh, idea that I've talked about many, many times, and you even dreamed that I was speaking about it. You could be dreaming now I'm talking about it, and that's the idea of the yellow millet dream. You might have seen it as um, uh, French writer Jean-Luc Picard in his uh, episode, Man, I'm an old guy playing a flute or something like that. There was a Star Trek, basically, uh, that stole this premise. It's a Chinese myth. Uh, fella falls asleep while a great Chinese sage is making him like millet and cooking up some, it could be oatmeal. It could be the oatmeal dream. But because it was millet, that's how it gets the name, but... So he said, I'm going to take a nap because oatmeal takes so long and millet takes longer. And we could have had amaranth and we'd be done. But I'm going to wait on this oatmeal and I'm going to take a little nap, an oatmeal nap, until it's done. Now, has this happened to you? So you, you lay down and you have, you go into immediately Michael Stipe 
sleep. You start saying things. And uh, often, you know how your sense of time is all wrong in dreams. You imagine that you live an entire life. So in this myth, this fellow is young, and then he takes, in every Chinese story, you have to take these tests to see if you can work in government. Oh, I'm glad I didn't have to take that. I don't think you have to. The only test you have to take in this country to work in government is some sort of loyalty test or something like that. You just swear allegiance to your boss or I don't know how it works. But there you got to know. I guess you had to know things and write them down. And uh, so he imagines that. Then he has a family. All this in the dream. Uh, isn't that amazing? I hope I don't have a dream family. That I, oh, I feel like a French president or something like that. I've got these two sets of families and children and everything. I go to sleep. If I was a pop star, I would ignore one set. Say, I like my new one. People do that sometimes. I'm getting a new family. My old children, I want a do-over. So, uh, but in, in, in this case, it's a dream. And he awakes from the dream, and his cereal is ready. And he's like, wow, that's, uh, that was amazing. I was lived in a whole other life. I felt like someone else. And we do this and pretend, and we do it all the time. When you, I wonder if you watch cartoons. I've asked some psychologist friends about that. I say, if I'm watching a cartoon, am I secretly putting myself in the place of this creature that might be getting flattened by an anvil? And that is that why... I have a thing about people that like certain tradesmen or people that do crafts like blacksmiths. I, I bless you. I'm sure you're great. But it's that anvil in my mind. It's such an instrument of destruction. I mean, I can't see any other use for an anvil than dropping on the head of a cartoon animal. And it's just, I just wonder if that's something we all need. So I've, it's clouded my view of, my, of the real world, I think, this imaginary one. And my psychologist friend said, what, are you, what, are, what prescriptions are you taking? And I said, listen, that's not, the, that's not my question. My question was, this wonderful gift we have as humans to empathize to the point of really, I don't maybe it's not even that, but to project ourselves into other situations and worlds and live other lives and everything is that is that can that be dangerous can i just go off and like an actor and play in so many roles and then it devalues some of the roles i play because i worry that because i don't have certain things like i don't have any i don't have any glass slippers and i know that from at least one story that i was in that these are a status symbol. If you have glass slippers, which I think sounds like an accident waiting to happen. I can't even imagine. What are the glass high heels? Oh, the shatter and all the shards go into your... Cool. No, I want something a little sturdier. But I guess glass... You know, I'd wear gold. Like I'd, I'd wear that before. Gold clogs or something like those. D Dutch clogs, not wood, but gold. I'd wear them. They'd be a little heavy maybe. But that's good too. You know, get some uh, weighted weighted Crocs. They have those, don't they? For people who are working out. I don't know what muscles that would... Because don't if you lift your leg, the shoe comes off, doesn't it? I don't even know. That's my shoe idea, just soles. I thought it would be like... I, I thought, oh, I'm going to have something that's just soles. and Because that's the part you use the most. And I understand if there's rough weather, you need uppers. But then I, what's keeping the sole on? And I realized straps, that's a sandal, you know, or an upper, that's a shoe. So I didn't have any, I glue it, and then I didn't think, that's not going to happen. You just, it's like a, it's temporary glue, just like the one that keeps your uh, fake nails on. I mean, it, with horses, we just go ahead and nail it. And I realized it's a different situation because the uh, horse's hoof is made of, something skull no i don't know well you know nail something we don't know no one knows there's a lot so much information in the world and some of it will remain unknown to you and it doesn't mean it's unknowable but it does mean for you it's some kind of dark recess isn't that interesting dark re oh boy does that bring back a
uh, a memory. Dark Recess, this shocker school movie I was in one time. And um, I don't like to think I hate movies like that. That's not true. I don't, I don't hate movies. They didn't do anything. It's the people in them and people who make them. They are the object of my contempt. No, that's not true either. A lot of things I say just to be silly. I think the radio is a dangerous thing because a lot of people, can, you can take it seriously because of this virtue that I just outlined in the first 10 minutes. So your wonderful ability to share your heart and to put yourself into other worlds and to play a role like that is used against you constantly. Oh, my goodness. You know, because like yeah, they show you images, they go, this is you. <laughs> and it works. And, oh, man, what can I do about it? I'm glad you asked, kid. <laughs> and it sets us up to have our compassion exploited and our, our ability to cooperate, have that exploited and turned against us. And uh, I just want you to know that's why when I ask you into my pretend world, you, you might immediately realize there's absolutely no way to really do it, the kind of pretend. that it, it, There's no consistency. So it isn't just, you know, an island. So I'm the rich man on the island. That's not going to cut it because the island is going to turn into a cloud and then it's going to turn into a room in the Bronx. You know, it's just going to keep shifting like that. And so when, any one thing that you choose to be is not going to do it. You know, you're going to have to be everything at once. So you might as well just be yourself. And I think that's fantastic because, ooh, if I was interviewing someone for a job, any job, with some exceptions, I would say, are you currently alive? And they'd say, yes. Are you, so you came here alive, you're surviving, and they'd be just like, just. And I'd, I'd say, you, you have the job. Because that alone, that seems to me, we don't take enough into account for how hard that is. So anybody can just survive. I don't think so. Tell that to the dead. They'd be like, I didn't quite make it. And I know you can only do it for so long. It's wonderful. Oh, my goodness, that there's a time limit. It's either a curse or a blessing, isn't it? I feel that with all sorts of things when you clock watch. Because I don't want the time to move, and I want it to move fast, and I don't want to be here, and I want to be here. And I know, bless you, oh, it's so tough. I know that there's people who go, oh, I don't want to live. Oh, well, you're dying. Oh, I don't want to die. I don't want to, you know, and what are you saying there, really? Uh, you're saying like just the the uh, pain. I don't want pain and fear, you know. And it's not that I don't want to live and I don't want to die. And you know, it isn't. Life hasn't really done anything. It's just intrinsically, life and death are kind of neutral to me. For me, and I'm just speaking for me, it's the level of psychic and physical pain that's really what we're talking about. And so I try to minimize it by being sort of scrupulous about what I ask people to do with their imagination and their soul and their attention. So you say, this fellow keeps getting my attention and then losing it. Yes, because I don't want you to follow me. Because you could, that's like, you know, stay here. You need to stay in the woods with your kind. Yes, I love you, but I'm going back to my village. That's, I don't know. I feel like that. I'm Baloo the bear. You can't live with me here in the woods, you know? I love you and everything. But you have to go back and change the humans and make them just uh, better and stuff like that. So we just stay in here for a little minute. But here you're really liberated. You don't have to be, you can be anybody, you know? You're choosing to be like Jungle Child in a, in a loincloth or something which is cool. There's nothing wrong with a loincloth. If you're going to protect some area, loins is a good, strong choice. I'd go like that and ear, ears, your nose, any place like that. Things that are vulnerable. Oh, my goodness. I like to take care of, but also it makes me so scared 
like having a pet or something and loving anything or being responsible for a life. Like, I don't know that my, sometimes my dogs look at me like they know that I'm responsible for some things that they don't know anything about. But other times, I don't even, I don't think they do know. You know, I think they think the food just magically gets there or something. They know that I give it to them, but I think they think that's because I have fingers and I can get it open. I'm really not sure what the what the dog's perspective of this is. And I, I don't know. They could be pretending to love me and it doesn't seem like there would need to be a distinction if you found it useful and a survival to to love me to get your food and everything. Who's to say it's not actual love? <laughs> Even if the motive is not, why does the motive have to be? There's always a motive, right? You don't, I love that piece of blank paper. Why? I don't just love it. Do you love it because when you draw on it, it gives you pleasure? Oh, you can draw on it. So it's really weird to love something without, there is a, an expectation of reward for all love. And you go, no, but pure love. I don't know. I can't, I don't know about this thing that has no connection to, to need. So, but I guess it's out there. They will feed it to you in religious circumstances. You, you'll never see this in the wild, but there's a kind of love that you don't, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, or we won't bless you. That's the thing. I know I won't see. That's why I don't, sometimes I don't pay attention in movies because I think ah, I probably won't make it to the end. Either I'll die or fall asleep. And so, uh, but no, sometimes I will pay attention. I like to know what's going to happen. The only place I draw the line is for the future of humanity. I don't, I, you know, there's so much present need that I, the, what's going to happen to people when they're wearing silver jumpsuits is not my concern. It is and it isn't. But, you know, it's so silly to be thinking about them and not the people that are here. Yeah, excuse me, just a minute. I'm thinking about our future. Well, what do you mean our future? In 200 years, when we be long dead. It's for your good. It's just not for your good. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Should there not be an afterlife, all of this is going to be problematic. So what were we, what were we doing? Well, I don't know. It's, I'm suing Family Circus. I know that sounds bizarre, but I'm starting a, clash, a class action suit against the late Bill Keene. And I think it's good that he's dead. Not that good that he's dead. I don't want him dead. Bless you. I don't mean that. But I mean... he. Because if he is in heaven, and the type of heaven that he, he's uh, described, then we're all good. He wins the lawsuit. But um, if he's unable to show up, then uh, we got a problem. And uh, because that was, gosh, that's seeing that every day in the funny papers. You know, oh, the grandparents are sitting on clouds, or they're floating around here, and there's invisible golems, and... I believed it for a long time. Also, you know, I didn't, uh, Dick Tracy messed me up a little bit. Just the, the strange physiognomy of the, the criminals. And even the, even the nice people had stuff coming out of their heads and everything like that. It's very disturbing. There's no, I don't know anything really about Chester Gould other than to say this that a lot of wonderful, crazy imagination that we see in a lot of art is booze. I don't know if it is in his, is his case, but you know, you, uh, a lot of those hard drinking, hard, I'm seeing things. This guy's got a face, but it's, he doesn't have a face. I can't imagine that he just sat there sober with a cup of coffee, drawing flat top. I don't know, I guess he could have. Bless all you. I'm not saying you need those substances. I'm just saying that sometimes nightmares are tri uh, triggered by Welsh rarebit. And we know that going back in cartooning to the Windsor McKay days. Now, Windsor McKay did a comic called Little Nemo. And no, it has nothing to do with the fish of the same name. Nor... The captain, necessarily. It doesn't, it doesn't with the captain. But little Nemo was his child, and he floated about on a bed. 
and he had a little friend named Flip, I think was his name, and he smoked a cigar and had a top hat, and there was other, some other uh, little horrid, dated uh, figures uh, that were ashamed of, and because the evidently the artist is a racist. But other than that, oh, it triggers the imagination. But in a good way, bad way, why are we attached to some things? I love the images of my youth. Do you? What have they done to you? I wonder. You know, what secret messages have gotten into your head because of a uh, prolific and talented substance abuser in the past or something? I think about that all the time. Not in any great depth, and I don't really do anything about it, but it has disabused me of my nostalgia a lot of times because I'll say things, you know, don't you love so-and-so, you know, from that old show? And you're like, yeah, you killed a guy. There's that, you know, and I just don't care to, I don't think my ignorant love of something that once comforted me, something in my imagination does not trump the reality of it. You know, so if the reality is bitter or, you know, my trying to redeem something horrible is, is going to, you know, what's the, what's the point, I guess, is what I'm saying. I like to make things fresh. They don't have to be built on the ashes or from, you can tear down some old things, rebuild them. That's what I say if they're stealing too much of our souls. And we don't need them. And uh, you get attached to things and dependent on them. So I don't tell you how to be creative or express yourselves, but, you know, do it any way you'd like. And if you want to do that by redoing an old cartoon or something from 40 years ago, go ahead and do that. That's a, that's a, that's a fine thing. It's not, I wonder if nostalgia, I wonder if you could sell baby food to middle-aged people. You know, so this is the baby food you used to love. Look, it's your favorite. Because they do that with cartoons. It's your favorite cartoon and cereal. And, you know, you go, oh, well, I'd eat it, but I just had a bunch of teeth removed. And uh, I wonder if, I'm not saying that, you know, I love to stay youthful is a great thing. But uh, also I find that for a lot of my life I was hypnotized by uh, baby things, you know, because it was in my naivete and that was my, when that was the, the whole of my world, it was lovely. You know, I liked living in the imaginary world of television. When I saw it vis-a-vis uh, -vis the actual one, some of it became more horrifying to me. And I realized that there I could escape and live in Oz, where I could manage things nicely, where things were pretty much cut and dried, and uh, where I was more or less safe because I was the main character. And then you get out and well, you're not the main character. It's terrifying. So, oh, yes, that little world where you could surround yourself with figurines or dollies or something like that and be the master of the dollies and the stuffed babies. I do long for it, you know. But also, uh, gosh, I like moving forward into the mysterious unknown. Oh, what will happen next? What if we keep moving things around? Uh, there's, I've talked about this before. What? Well, why, why would we say that? There's, I've talked about everything before. It's absolutely impossible to be on the radio for as many years as I've been on, and I know I've talked about everything. But uh, Bobby Fischer, uh, the chess player, invented a way uh, to um, sort of put more uh, skill in chess, or at least take the predictive stuff out because you know a lot of openings chess openings are you know everybody knows them and everything so he came up with a way of randomizing chess by having the pieces moved around and having different positions in the beginning for every game and he had a, a way of doing that he had a formula he come up with which goes where 
and then play that way. And that way you weren't dependent on, you know, I can't do the fried liver opening or something. You're not, you're, uh, no queen's gambit if the queen's over here now. So I thought that was very interesting. It's called Fisher Random. And I thought about, it'd be great to randomize lots of things. You know, if there was sort of a mandatory randomizing to some things, to stories and everything. It's like, yes, you can, you can do a sequel to that movie, but everything now is moved around. We've got to change the, all the characters are changed around. So now, you know, up is down. I wouldn't mind that at all, you know? Let's, uh, oh, I don't like to have to predict things necessarily. I do like to be surprised. And there's a, there's a pureness in surprise that's not always bad, too, is there? It's like, <gasps> you know? And when you have it under uh, protective conditions and you can feel the, uh, the fear and the joy at the same time, like in a haunted house or something, it feels pretty great. Oh, I want to elevate you like Mr. Otis, the inventor of the elevator. He said, I want to elevate people. I go, well, uh, how do you propose to do that, Otis? Well, I was going to haul him up on a thing uh, with a, uh, a motorized one. All right. We don't have that? No, weird, right? I can't be the first one. Now, a lot of people think that it come up with novel inventions. I can't be the first to think of this, right? You're probably not, you know. I guess you have to, you know, destroy the, you know, the competitor or something. Edison thinking, I can't be the first to think of this. No, Mr. Edison, you're not. Oh, well, get that guy then. Uh, destroy him. That's a good way to do it. If there was anybody, what if somebody else tried to be Hardy White or something when I have to go, you know, do I need him... How would I call to get, you know, call all the influential people I know? It's like you only need one Hardy White. There could be a bunch. That would be interesting. I've always tried to start that rumor that there's more than one of me and that we keep switching out. Like the, didn't they used to do that on radio, like the, you know, Phantom or something? They changed the actors all the time. You wouldn't know who it was. Well, it is radio, right? So you can do, I think they do it now with cartoons and stuff. Uh, there's a couple times it didn't work. You know, the one, I think it was one season into the Flintstones. Everybody knows this story. It's just, uh, we all learn it in school. Is that Mel Blanc had an accident, Barney Rubble voice. And so I think Dawes Butler filled in. So, you know, he went from talking like this to, um, hey, Fred, like that, which is a little, little different. It's like the two Darrens or something. But you could see that's that's different. Now, Samantha's got a new husband, and she, or maybe she wiggled her nose and changed his face. But uh, those two Barneys. Yeah, there is. Like that. They should talk to each other. Just, oh, I wish there was a show called Whoops, Just Barneys. That would be great. And Because you got two different voices there. They could be neighbors in prehistoric times. Or then they go into the future. They do everything together. They're fantastic. They're the same, but they're not the same because their voice is different. I love it. I can, you can't, there's, everything can be just done with, with just cartoons. So is there something that was live action, then they made a cartoon of it, then they made a live action, then they made a cartoon of that. I wonder what would be next. Something wholly other. Over all over to radio. They don't do that here in the in the UK. People listen to whole shows on the you know they're going to be acting a play and they listen to the no one talks like that. The, um, it seems to me that people the people in this country have zero friends in in England or something because they don't the, they can't really do the voices. I don't know that they can do the their their own countrymen though. I don't think they can either. People have trouble with regional dialects i don't you know i try not to sound like somebody else it always comes out bad and you always seem like a jerk uh so what is an accent about though it's about uh, conforming it's a really kind of a form of authoritarianism because what you're doing is you're demonstrating uh you're identifying with a certain group by cooperating and by using their pronunciation 
And that's what it is. It's not biological or something. You know, I was born here, so I have to speak this way. No, you don't. That's the thing. Look at your twin that was removed and sent over there. I'm talking like this because it's really a choice. And um, people do it to fit in. You can see people might move to another country and their accent changes because that's a, it's a way of saying, I'm with you. I'm one of you. Um, you know, if you, if you moved somewhere and everybody's, everybody's talking like this, and you, oh, yeah, y'all talking strange. You know, uh, it's, you're, you're making a statement. You know, I'm not part of you. So a lot of the American accent is wonderful because it's like, I'm not exactly sure. I don't really want to commit. Uh, where are we, uh, fella? <laughs> I'll be anywhere. I'm, one of, I'm with you. So a lot of this that, you know, I'm just going to be, can I be neutral? Right? <laughs> I see you guys are kind of mad at one another. And uh, so it's a, you know, not having a, and then once they get in a group, they can change. Politicians will do that. And they go to a region. And all of a sudden, they, you're kind of talking. You don't normally talk that way. So really all accents are saying something, even when you don't have one. So the way you choose to say things. I kind of like, uh, like a surrealist kind of choice. Like I either, either, well, it's kind of, well, Alfred Jerry kind of a ubu robot voice I think is cool or uh, Salvador Dali had kind of an exaggerated accent when he spoke English so it was like this absurd sort of accent I think that's fabulous so uh, it's I would you know be for coming up with new ways to talk and everything but i think it scandalizes people they want you to fit in you see what they do if you just wear a hat that's not quite right just walk around with every nobody doesn't think the jamiroquai hat isn't cool it's so cool they stole it from jamiroquai and to this day no one knows where it is but you know but you couldn't wear it anywhere because they'd go that is a stupid hat but it's not a stupid hat that's the thing you know and uh, uh you get fussed at for making the slightest change to, to the conformity. You know, imagine if you were going to choose to, to kind of speak differently, too. I said, I guess it's just because people don't want to really think about individuals. You know, they, they do want to sort of just be on autopilot and, and uh, go about, play a role where I don't have to discover anything. If there's too much that's new, it is overwhelming. You know, when I go to a city, I'm sort of hypervigilant anyway. Because I'm I'm a scared little mouse person, but you know, so I pay a, a great deal of attention, and part of that uh, is about blending in and not want to be noticed. In the spy world, it's called being a little gray man. You don't want anybody to see you, really, and it's a uh, it's camouflage. So most of us really want to be camouflaged and not particularly noticed, or if we're noticed, noticed for some character, you know, and. And I, I understand that completely. I like uh, message tees. So I can, my favorite one is, uh, my favorite message is on T-shirt is WFMU. So just put that on a T-shirt and you will make friends. It happened to me, I guess at the end of summer, I was somewhere. And someone said, hey, WFMU. And I said, yes, well, you know, I have a, you know, I have a show actually WFMU, and they were like, never heard of you. So the uh, so that's happened four times. So that's interesting, too. I love FMU. I'm listening to it my whole life. That's great. I have a show. Really? What's it called? Never heard of it. That's I, I love that. That's another thing that I actually think that's, you think that I'm being sarcastic, but I don't. That's not. Like, it isn't about me. You know? If, uh, like, if I had a shirt on that said, you know, Georgia. Oh, Georgia. I used to live in Georgia. And I go, I have a house in Georgia. <laughs> Never heard of it. So it doesn't really matter. It's nice to be part of something. Well, why did I pick Georgia? I don't, and I don't have a house in Georgia. I'm sorry. I used to live there. I did live there um, for a few years. I lived in, in, in Atlanta. And uh, I did things there. What did I do? I don't remember. Uh, things. Saw, uh, I think I saw shows. I don't know, man. This is a blur. 
I did. I saw music shows, like the Mekons. Eh, I think I ate at the thing. Maybe they got that varsity with the hot dogs. That's pretty great. They wear the old-timey hats and everything. What else about Atlanta? I used to go to ball games when I lived there. I lived there when, the, uh, when I used to watch uh, baseball and go there. I'm not going to say any of the names because the comment board will blow up with, you know, oh, I saw Greg Maddox pitch when he was in Chicago. And I don't want that. I should just make stuff up. Well, I do remember this. I think I saw uh, some superhero. So it was somebody's whatever home run or at bat or something like that. And so to celebrate, they had a helicopter fly over or something like that. And Batman and Robin jumped out and nothing, and they landed safely. You thought it was going to be one of those stories. But, and then they were fine. But I don't know why they had to do that. It, it felt to me it didn't feel like it added anything because Batman Robin to my knowledge had nothing to do with the accomplishment of this individual player now would I go to a game of all costumed players heck yeah and they used to do it back in the day been horrible the costumes they chose were horrifying but now it would be lovely I think to just have a just just Spider-Man team or um, the cast of Oklahoma as a team. It sounds vaguely Monty Python, which is something that you shouldn't do ever. Oh, that's hilarious. It isn't. I don't do it to be funny. I would have a show like that. This is like Monty Python, but it's not supposed to be funny. They're trying to get a laugh. I'm not. I'm trying to, what are you trying to do? I'm not, and you know it. You can sense it. You can sense I'm not trying. He's not trying very hard. You don't want me to. There are some things that can't be forced, like a lid on something delicate. Oh, I can't get this glass lid off of this precious glass thing. Should we pry it off? No. We're going to lube it off. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to apply some grease or oil or something to your soul so that we don't, because if it's pried open, what we need to get to in there, we could chip a thing. And you go, oh, well, with Japanese aesthetics, broken is better, mononoaware or whatever, wabi-sabi. Is that your hobby? Breaking things and gluing them back together? Because you think that, but no, I have a material here that will not break. It's like all clay forever. It's like Sculpey that doesn't need to be baked. Oh. It's pliable, and yet it's durable. It's the strongest substance in the universe. What is it, Hardy? What? The strongest substance in the universe. Oh, uh, I don't know, like platinum? No, no, no. You were just describing something you said was pliable, was like clay, but it's the strongest thing in the universe. Was I? I don't, I'm sorry, I don't remember any of that. But if I said it's true, then I've stick by it. I'm not going to switch gears on you like that. Oh, my gosh. Did you ever drive with a, a older person that keeps hitting the brakes like that? And they want to go, why do you, why do you keep vomiting? And they go, well, because you're, you're driving a little herky-jerky for me. And it's just like you're, you're, the brakes don't need as much effort as they did in the Flintstone days, Grandpa. You don't have to put the, your foot's not really hitting the pavement and stopping the car. They've got all sorts of hydraulics between you and the, the brake pads. And I want the kind that smoke. Is that, a, is that what's smoking the brake pads when you have the neat cars that put up the smoke and the lights go off and you sit there and you rev and you, oh, I, I, that's what my show is. My show is one of those cars that hops up and down and then the smoke, the tires smoke, and then it flips around. And you go, what is that? And, and you say, well, it's just having fun. I know a vehicle is one thing, but it doesn't have to be just one thing. It can do a lot of things. It can amuse us in many ways. And I try to use radio as if it were an exotic lowrider. I'm putting stuff on it. I'm accessorizing and I'm making it do funny things not funny, humorous, 
but funny like, doctor, I got this funny uh, lump or something like that. You go, oh, okay, let me see that. That's not, that's no funny lump. That's Hardy. Hi, it's me. I've entered your consciousness again. Why? Oh, only for helpful reasons. I want to comfort you by being silly. When noted surrealist and child psychology expert Chat dans un chapeau descended upon a certain family to demonstrate how the chaos of surreal philosophy and art can transform a young child's imagination into a chaotic mess, which can be then rectified by thing one and thing two, which is going to the bathroom. And that's what they represent. And uh, when the child says, something's not quite right, how do we get this all back together again? With intermittent fasting. So he brings in, they clean everything up, because the house also represents the colon. I've done it. I've given this talk so many times, this TED talk about uh, children's stuff. But we forget that the cat in the hat is a transformative idea. And is it a good one? You know, is it, what's it saying? Is it, is it confusing creativity with chaos? I'm not sure. It's a good story. And I said, I always revisit Dr. Seuss because I'm suspicious. It's vaguely menacing to me. So I don't always know why. But I think if, it, if this was real truth, it would not be, need to be delivered in rhyme. I think that's, that feels like that's the, that's the devil's song right there. <laughs> I don't know, rhyming, you know. Because we change the meaning of things in order to get them to rhyme. You know, that's not the word. I don't want to say pink, you know. But I need something that rhymes with ink. And then you're thought, you know, clever by limiting the world so much. And the, the world is limited in service of the words. And the words themselves and the constraint you put on that becomes the generator for your ideas. Then you see what you thought was imaginative is just li uh, limited thinking. You know? It's a mink, it's a pink mink ink. I don't know, but that's not... You know, let's make the mink a different color. And I think that's crazier. Because you wouldn't have thought of that. A green mink is not the first thing to pop in your mind. So I just bring that to you. Because my have, where's, where are you coming from, Hardy? Maybe I've never heard you before, Hardy. Introduce yourself. What? Introduce yourself. All right, okay, my name is Hardy. Yeah, and that's no lie. Yeah, I'm on the radio. Yeah, because I enjoy it. See what I did there? Don't have to rhyme. And then, you know, I did study poetry for a while, and they were like, Hardy, you don't have to rhyme. That makes it worse. And they go, how does that make it worse? I go, well, you know, it's the, the, the content. It, you start to, it's in service of the, of the sound. Are they always hearing it? Are you always hearing something that's, I mean, there's songs. You know, it's a way of, of memorizing stuff, too, you know, rhyming and meter. It's easier to memorize. Because you say, what's the, what's the end word of the next line? Well, I've got it narrowed down. But the end word of the next line, in our wonderful world that's free of poetry and free of song and free of painting, where there, is, there are no plays, there's no radio, or there's no movies, we've transcended that. We're living in a world of pure dreams where the reality is projected onto anything and anywhere we like at any time. Right now, I'm living in a movie in my head. Am I the main character? 
And how do you meet the main character as you grow older? Because like as a kid, it's easy. And then as you get older, you start thinking, well, I'm just the extra character in somebody else's fiction. I can be the main character by retreating to my youth again. Well, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Wait. What do you want? Just wait a minute. Wait here. I'll be right back. Listen, I want to take back something I said uh, about being any anything I can say can I I will agree with you if you contradict, especially about what character you are. I think you should have to rotate. I'd like a play like are there plays like that where each act the the actors have just all switched roles. I remember some early band practices when I was a kid. You know, be playing in a band as a teenager. Go, let's switch instruments because that that you know why. Because now, because we'll, now we'll all suck even more on another instrument. But it is kind of fun to all, you know, switch up like that. And I guess maybe the cast do that for some plays. And you be Romeo um, for a while. All right, I will. You know, I guess that, that would that would be wonderful. And then you kind of have to guess what's going on, which I do anyway when I watch anything. I have friends that don't have a lot of tolerance for being lost especially when it comes to art you know i've been watching a movie or something i'm like what's going on who's that you know I don't, do you know no i don't know but i don't it's not bothering me that's the thing so i don't know either but i don't, I don't care we'll see i feel like if they want me to know they'll hit me over the head with it i don't think this is like an escape room or something is this a it's not a video game i'm just gonna watch it passively I'm sure if the information is important, you know, come up again and go, oh, that's that guy from earlier. I'm probably meant to say that. So I don't know who it is. Why don't you IMDB it? But I can wait. I can usually be patient. And for some folks, well, if you've listened to the show for more than twice, you have some sort of, you know, that, that lesson. <laughs> of being lost, of the, the joy of being sort of floating and unmoored sometimes. Because you can bump into all sorts of ideas. You don't have to stay on the uh, same road. You know, there's nothing that, that says you have to complete a thought or something like that. Just jump all around. It's fun. There's, uh, you know, um, if you watch those old uh, Mr. Shows, you know, the, one of the things is the, how interestingly the uh, sketches are linked you know, they sort of dissolve into an absurd transition to something else. And sometimes it feels, you know, oh my gosh, that's, uh, you know, it's like it, the other thing presaged it. You know, it doesn't, you don't know what order they came up with the ideas in, but it has that wonderful effect of things uh, going together that, you know, maybe you shouldn't or you wouldn't have thought of. And... I enjoy that feeling. It's refreshing to me because sometimes the way things are supposed to be, oh, can be a trap and so limiting if we do things the way we've always done them. And you can see how afraid people are to break away because when, when there's dollars at stake too, you know, when there's money or gain at stake, it's very difficult to take risk. Then risk becomes another thing entirely. So when you and I are talking about risk, like we're out in the wilderness, we're talking about dying. If they're talking about risk, they're talking about losing money or having so. This is a different thing. You know, there's, uh, that's not real risk. You know, so... There's a, uh, a, a, timid, a, t a timidness, you know, to experimenting. And also people have limited time and, and uh, attention spans. You can't be sitting there watching all experimental stuff all the time. You want to have some guarantee that it's going to, you know, tick the right boxes for you. So most of us, when we do want to be entertained, we're very specific 
Can you imagine when new movies were new and they go, do you want to see a movie? A movie? Yeah, I want to see a moving picture. It doesn't matter what it's about, right? Now you're going like, no, not that kind. What about this one? This one says it's about it. No. Name another one. It's really absurd. You know, it's got, it's, it's almost, why don't you get a bespoke one too? AI will be able to do that. You just describe the movie you want to see and it'll feed your own waste right back to you. That's where we're headed. You know, where you just, you don't, how will you know what you want? It's really, uh, it's really limiting. Go and confuse people. I think that's the best. You'll see them sort of wake up, you know. You talk about shaking someone out of the matrix. You do it with incongruity, I think. That's how you, uh, you, you, you wake up by benevolently shattering expectations. You know, a kind of shaking people by the lapels and telling them you love them, you understand. <laughs> I do. I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I am a strange one. If I met me or heard me, I think I was a lunatic. And perhaps I am. And that's probably why I belong on the radio, because the radio is a freak show. It's like a carnival sideshow sometimes, isn't it? Oh, and who are you, Hardy? Are you driving something up your nose like that? Are you putting something, uh, swallowing something that shouldn't be swallowed? What's your, what's your act? You got, uh, you got a twin poking out of your back? Something like that? No, nothing that cool. Is that cool? Who knows? I have, a, I have a twin on each shoulder. I have a head on each shoulder, and they're both parasitic twins, and they argue. I'm right in the middle, and we look like the opening shot of the Three Stooges, and they're always bickering. And they look, Maybe they look like shoulder pads. I call them the epaulette twins. That's horrifying. I don't, mean, I don't want to scare you, and I don't want to scare children. Hello, children who are listening. There's so many things you can do with sound. Please explore the world of sound all the time and in an awe that you do. I just recalled a dream I had last night, and I started, <laughs> this is so stupid. It's so stupid, and it was so fun. I was playing like drums, like a beat on a, on a plate, on a table, and people were kind of watching me. I was going, well, this is whack, you know, and this is what I'm doing to entertaining them, and I have their attention. Then I started kind of, playing on the table too and it sounded like it's some large drum and i'm beating out this cool beat and i'm making it sound like it's like plate on a table dubstep and i've got this great rhythm going and people going listen to this part listen to this part and it was really uh it was really interesting i know that's a stupid i'm sorry i don't have an office to go to so who am i going to tell my dreams to I can't just corner some people. I love offices. People are so desperate to get out of work that they will listen to you say anything. I remember that. I love that about it. Yeah, what else did you do? Oh, I had the best weekend. I just blah, blah, blah. I can blabber on, and they sit there. Because then you know, the boss comes in, they're going, he wouldn't shut up. So they blame me, which is fine. I'll take the blame. Mia culpa, I always said. It's me. My fault. I'm sorry. I was talking the ear off. I don't know when to shut up. I'll go back to my office. I have, you don't know what, I don't know what to lie and say I have, I have lots of work to do or I'm all caught up in my work. Both are bad things to say. I try to come up with something that can't be really contradicted. I had diarrhea and I don't know, and I had to tell Rachel and Tony on my way back because they asked. Maybe, maybe that, I don't know. But uh, see, that's why I don't work in an office now. Oh, my goodness. If people had to hire me. So you could get hired to do something. I'm sh Maybe, you know. But I feel like, I, I feel like so even the smallest job, a lot of times people don't have full confidence in me. They're like, you seem like a character on a, on a TV show. I go, yeah, what kind? And they go, oh, dumb one. Yeah, like maybe even a like a like a '60s sitcom or something. All right, thanks a lot. To, you're saying I'm Maynard Krebs or something, basically. Well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a kind of a mess up, but not not the bad kind. 
I've worked jobs and been responsible. They were, I felt they were hard on my intestines, especially at food service and things like that. Ugh. You know, people are weird about their food, man. They don't want it poisoned or stuff like that. I don't know why. No, you know, I sold cheese for a while. Just people are real, really weird about cheese. I mean, I'll talk about it some. I'm not even prepared to talk about it yet. But it's a weird thing to sell, man. I'm telling you, there's a... I, I like it, but people are... A lot of people really like it, but they don't know why or something. Cheese is like... Selling cheese is like saying, I sell music. Because there's a, there's a wide range of stuff going on in there. So... I could get two professed cheese lovers in a room that wouldn't be able to agree on one, I bet. You wonder. Same with music. I love music, but not your music. It's difficult. Oh, are you all right? No, you're not. Or you are. Or you're not. I understand that. And, uh, and you can, you're free to be not all right with me. That's for sure. I don't have to do anything. And I'll tell you, I'll be still talking. If you nod off, I'll be talking when you wake up. So that's another good thing. Is Hardy still talking? Yeah. Did I miss anything? Well, what's you know, what's there to miss? Really? Can't you get something out of every little bit? Isn't there something in there? No. I don't know. Some of them have more. There's more raisins in some bites than others. I understand that. But, you know, that's how it goes. I love it. I want to give something to you, and if I keep giving gifts, some of them are not going to. Some of them you're going to want to take back. So I kept the receipt. So just take them back. I can't get that time back. That I don't let any time be wasted. Even if you had a bad experience, say, I listened to Hardy. I did not like Hardy, and I will not. I'll never get that time back. Yeah, but see, that made an impact. You learned something, or or you wouldn't have said something that that's that uh, strong. Say, well, yeah, I'm gonna, what, what is it that bothered you so much? Now, how do you know yourself a little more? Because if you can now define yourself by what you hate, which isn't the greatest way. Uh, but some people do that. There's whole When the Internet first started, that was, you know, oh, my God, you also hate that kind of music? Yes, I hate that, too. <gasps> what celebrities do you hate? I hate so-and-so. Me, too. Oh, my God, we have so much in common. So um, there's that. I wonder that. Hey, yeah, that's a sort of being a fan, I guess. But I don't. Uh, I don't want to share that with you. I want to share something that we both value. And what's that? Just radio in general. How crazy it is. How weird. The disembodied voice. Something I always really enjoyed. As a kid, I mean, I like listening to music and everything, but if you could get a real late night weirdo, there was nothing like that as far as I was concerned. You just felt like you were eavesdropping on somebody's telephone call or just magic, especially late at night. Who is this strange creature? Because you think, well, maybe it's not even a real person. Maybe it's coming from another dimension or something. I don't know. I can't see them. When people first, uh, when they meet me at a live show, they say, oh, you have a face. Well, now from the Internet, people see what I look like. But it does change all the time, which is why you should hire me to do acting jobs, because I look different if you, when I shave. So let, we could talk about that. If you're doing a shaving commercial right now, I'd be willing to do it. I need, I, I kind of need, who doesn't need money? And shaving is something I intermittently believe in. So just saying, if you, I know I'm not that famous or anything, but I know that if I mentioned a certain kind of razor blade or something, my listeners would be like, yes, well, if Hardy enjoys that. No, I'm not allowed to do This is not commercial. I'm not interested in that. Sorry. Bless you. I'm just interested in, in spreading good stuff. Like what? Like miracles? that you can eat because it's miracle nutrition on WFMU. Let's try again. Because it's miracle nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU, East Orange, WMFU, Mount Hope, 
91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York, and online at WFMU.org, worldwide. Oh, thank you for listening. I'll see you again next week. Trust that trust is the only thing
Thank mm-hmm. you. 